0: Have you ever sat there wondering why you do what you do? Have you ever asked yourself, where is this life going? The job seems to have stalled. You've been passed up time and again for that promotion. Your day consists of meaningless tasks, only to be repeated day in and day out. Where's the excitement? Where's the challenge? Where's the fun in life? There's got to be more to life than this, right? Well, the answer is a resounding yes. Welcome to the Point of Purity Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This is episode number 55, and in this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the scriptures to discover not only our purpose in life, but how to successfully and effectively live out that purpose every day of our life. So let's talk about how to be purposefully purposeful in our purpose. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us the story of a man named Solomon. Now, Solomon embarks on this massive quest to try and find meaning and purpose to his life. So he pursues money and possessions and relationships and pleasures. I mean, he runs the whole gambit. And yet, no matter how hard he tries, no matter how much money he puts into the bank, no matter how many things he accumulated, no matter how many friends he made or or even how many different types of pleasures he pursued he couldn't find true meaning and purpose to life through any of those possessions or any of those activities in fact at one point in his search here's what he said he said i have seen all the things that are done under the sun and all of them are meaningless it's like chasing after the wind ecclesiastes 114 a little bit later he writes when I surveyed all that my hands had done and all that I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless—a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Ecclesiastes two eleven. Can you relate to that? Have you ever wondered why you do some of the things you do day in and day out, again and again and again and again? Well, at the end of his search. It begins to dawn on Solomon. He begins to to wise up. He'd been looking in all the wrong places. He had been putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. He was emphasizing King me. And so he makes this one final, very powerful declaration in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Here's what he said. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this Is the whole duty of man. In other words, let's put it a different way. Here's here's what Solomon was saying I've searched long and hard, far and wide. I have been dedicating my life to finding meaning and purpose. And here's my conclusion real meaning and genuine purpose to life is found only when I focus all of my being, everything about me, my thoughts, my words, my actions, everything around the goal of glorifying God. And I want to submit that that affirmation is just as true for you and I today as it was the day Solomon penned those words. You see, you and I were created for one purpose alone, to know God and to live a life that brings honor and glory to Him in everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do. God tells us in Isaiah 43, verse 7, that he created us for his glory. Did you catch that? You were designed by God to glorify him. We're commanded in 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, I have a quick question for you here. According to that verse, how much of your life is to glorify God? The answer, all of it. And never forget that that little word all in that verse, do it all for the glory of God, that little word all literally means all. And that's all all means. Colossians 3.17 puts it this way, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, everything is to be said and everything is to be done done always in a way that brings God all the glory. Scripture couldn't be more clear. A life lived in pursuit of bringing glory to God. A life lived in pursuit of pleasing Him. That life will always be characterized by godliness. When you walk in humble obedience to God, bringing glory to your Father, your Savior, your Heavenly Friend, as you were created to do, you are fulfilling your purpose. That is when you will find lasting joy, peace, and meaning to life. So how are you doing with that? I'll be the first to, to very quickly admit that that's easier said than done. But the question you must face here is this. Do I truly want to live a life that consistently glorifies God? I mean, deep down in your heart of hearts, do you want... Do you long? Do you desire? Do you crave to live a life that is characterized by godliness? Does that drive you? Well, let's assume for a moment, for argument's sake, that your answer is yeah. Yeah, I want to live a life that in every way reflects God. I want to every day be, think, do, say, and feel in the ways that God wants me to. My question for you then is this What are you doing? right now, to achieve that goal. What are you doing right now? And what are you doing right now? And, and right now, and right now, ad infinitum. Whom have you asked to hold you accountable? I submit that there's an old saying that's very true here. It says there's no better time than right now, than the present. So I'm going to work off of the assumption, as you're listening to this episode, you want to be godly. But consider this, simply wanting something isn't going to make it happen. For example, I want to be 20 pounds lighter. That's what my brain is saying. But unless I change my daily life habits, unless I consistently begin to adhere to a specific diet and an exercise program, let's face it, losing that weight, is it's not going to happen. In fact, if I'm not careful just the opposite will happen. Well, I want to be a godly man, but unless I make some spiritual lifestyle changes, unless I choose to adhere to a specific spiritual diet and exercise program, if you will, that godliness is not going to happen. You see, to be godly certainly begins with a strong desire for it. But you must also have a plan, actually put that plan into motion. So again, I ask you, what are you doing right now to pursue godliness? We need to understand that godliness does not automatically happen for the Christian. The moment you were saved, you didn't instantly become godly. Godliness doesn't come easy either. I mean, take, take a close, hard look at your spiritual life to date. Now, be honest here. Have you periodically tried to be godly, only to find that you're failing in your attempts? Why do we seldom succeed, even when our desires are genuine and our efforts are sincere? After all, we definitely want to do the right thing, period. We want to glorify God in our daily life, and yet we tend to fall short of our goal. In our household, we like watching the Olympics, whether it's the Summer Olympics or the Winter Olympics. It really doesn't matter as long as we can watch those athletes compete. Now, i got to confess, I enjoy seeing the competitors do things that I can only dream of doing. I mean, I I can only imagine what it would be like to to glide effortlessly across the ice or soar through the air after zipping down an ice-covered hill at breakneck speeds. (laughs) But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, That not one of those athletes who stand on the winner's podium, no matter their sport, no matter the discipline, age, gender, country of origin, not one of them woke up one day and just said, hey, I want to go compete in the Olympics. They didn't suddenly contact the airlines, buy a plane ticket, hop the next jet over to the Olympic venue and stand in line to compete. Didn't happen. Before they ever placed a foot on those starting blocks. Before they ever stepped up to the springboard to swim the 100 meters, before they ever flew over the uneven bars, before they ever did a triple lutz or a quad, they began their journey to the Olympics with an intensive, intentional training program. They shed blood, they sweat buckets, and it took them years to achieve their goal. Well, in the same way, we're to train ourselves to be godly. To do that, we need to do more than just occasionally read our Bible. We need to do more than just go to church every Sunday and sing the songs and put our tithe in the offering plate and listen to a good sermon. Listen to this. Watch this now. We need to daily exercise our faith, Hebrews eleven six. We need to daily wear our spiritual armor, Ephesians six ten through 17. We need to daily maintain a humble spirit, James 4, 6. We need to daily keep our heart pure, Matthew 5.8. We need to daily focus our hope in Christ, Romans 15.13. We need to live in contentment and for the fear of God daily, Philippians 4.11 and 12. We must daily pursue hard after righteousness, First Timothy 6.11. We must daily be patient in our tests and our trials, Romans 8.25. We need to manifest a gentle spirit, Titus 3.2. And we need to daily walk in integrity and truth, Proverbs 10.9. You feeling uh, maybe a little bit overwhelmed at this moment? I mean, that's quite a list, and it's definitely not even a complete one. I I can't speak for you. I don't know about you, but I can feel exhausted just thinking about having to do all or, or be all those things all at once. In fact, if I'm not careful, I could very easily become discouraged, thinking there's no way on God's green earth that I could ever fulfill that list, not even for a date, let alone for the rest of my life. But the exciting thing is, I don't have to try to manufacture all those things that are needed to be godly. And here's why. Here's why. God has already provided them, all of them, for me. The person, think about this, the, the, the person who is training to run a marathon not only sets up a plan on how to achieve their goal, they surround themselves with the right equipment necessary for the task. Let me explain. Proper running shoes the right kind of clothes that fit comfortably and breathe, uh, probably a treadmill, possibly an elliptical machine. Uh, these are just some of the things that a serious runner wants to consider. Well, in the same way, watch us now, if we're going to train ourselves to be godly, we need the right equipment. In his second epistle, Peter writes, God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, 2 Peter 1.3. Did you catch that? Wow. God provides everything you need to live a godly life, and it comes through your knowledge of him. Everything you need is there. It's available to you. Now, there's a lot of truth packed into this verse, and if we're going to be successful in living a life that glorifies God, we need to dig it out. We need to meditate on it. So let's do that together. First of all, I want you to notice that in 2 Peter one three, Peter tells us that it is God's divine power that provides us with everything we need to live a godly life. Now, here's why I point that out. By using the word divine, Peter is telling us that which is being spoken of, in other words, the power to be godly, the ability to live a godly life, that belongs to God alone. Only God possesses the ability to provide everything you need to live a godly life. You cannot find it anywhere else. That power, that ability, does not net. It does not naturally reside within you. It definitely does not naturally reside within me. In and of ourselves, we will always fail to be godly. That's why this is divine power. No wonder we struggle so much with feeling defeat and failure when we try to do it on our own. All right, now with that in mind, let's take a closer look at the word power. His divine power has given us everything we need. That word power refers to the natural capability to do something. Let me repeat that. It refers to the natural capability to do something. You see, the one who has this kind of power isn't dependent upon an outside source to accomplish the task. The power, the ability to do this thing, whatever it might be, resides completely within the individual. So the words divine power in this verse is telling us that only God, listen, watch this now, only God has within himself the natural capability of equipping you and I with everything that we need to live a godly life. So why? Why are we trying to do it on our own? I want you to consider this next point very carefully. You and I cannot manufacture godliness on our own. Now, it almost sounds like a no-brainer, but I want you to listen to it again. You and I cannot manufacture godliness on our own. Job asks the question, Who can bring what is pure from the impure? He then answers the question, no one, Job 14, verse 4. In and of ourselves, we are incapable of being godly. We just, we don't have it within us. In fact, God says, all have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one, Psalm 14, verse 3. All of us have become like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, like the wind our sins sweep us away, Isaiah 64, verse 6. In Ecclesiastes 7:20, it says, There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Here's my point. We are incapable of being godly all on our own. The only way that we can live a life that glorifies God As if God himself, who has the ability, who has the power naturally, comes to dwell within us as he places his own godliness inside of us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And then we, in turn, learn how to yield to his power. Godliness is not me doing or being something. Godliness is not you doing or being something. It is God living through us. John declared in John chapter 3, verse 30, that Jesus must become greater and he must become less. We need to say that as well. God, God, you need to become greater. You, you need to be more obvious and more evident in my life and there needs to be less of King me. Peter assures us that God's divine power in 2 Peter 1, 3 has given us everything we need for a godly life. So again, I want to pose the question to you, why do we try to do it on our own? Think again about 2 Peter one 3 let Let's focus our attention on Peter's use of the words has given. God's divine power has given us everything we need. That phrase is written in what's called the perfect tense passive voice. Now don't, don't tune me out. Listen to me. Let me explain. When something In the Bible is written in the perfect tense. It describes an action that is being viewed as having been completed somewhere in the past, and it was done once and for all. It never needs to be repeated again. It's perfect. And so by writing that God's divine power has given us everything we need, and using the perfect tense, Peter is saying that this has already been done for us. It doesn't need to be repeated ever again. As a born-again believer, now listen, as a born-again believer, you already have everything, everything you need to be godly, to live a godly life. You don't have to ask for it. You don't have to go searching for it because God's divine power has given you everything you need to be godly. You've already got it. Now, I also said that this was written in the passive voice. When something is written in the passive voice, it means that the subject is the means, the, the recipient of the action as opposed to being the doer. Okay, now let me explain. The action being described is being done to you or for you, not by you. All right, now here's here's where it gets really exciting. You are the recipient. You are the subject of this verse. God's divine power has given you, you, everything that you need to be godly. You see, every person who names the name of Jesus as their Savior is the recipient of everything we need to enable us to live a godly life. So again, I must pose the question, why do we try to do it on our own? We'll continue our deep dive into 2 Peter 1, verse 3. The next thing we need to consider is this. God's divine power has given you everything you need. That word everything is literally the word all. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast and in, in, in this series of episodes for some time now, you've heard me define the word all this way. In fact, I did at the beginning of this episode. All means all, and that's all all means. I love that. It's a word that refers to each and every part of the whole, leaving absolutely nothing out. God's divine power has given you everything. It has given you all that you need for a godly life. Wow, that is fantastic. You cannot manufacture it on your own, but you don't need to. You already have it, all of it. You don't have to go looking anywhere else for it. God is the source, the only source and he's already given it to you and he's given all of it to you okay so where do i find this power this ability to be godly the answer is found within our text you see peter says in second peter 1:3 that you can find everything you need for godliness now listen to this through your knowledge of him who called you by his own glory and goodness did you catch that it is through your knowledge of god that you are enabled to be godly. Now, that little word through is a very powerful and important word. It carries with it the idea that this is the instrument. It's, it's the way that something is going to be accomplished. In other words, it is through your knowledge of God. It is by means of your knowledge of God. It is as you grow in your knowledge of God that you are given everything you need to live a godly life. Oh, there is so much more I want to share with you and teach you on this subject. But unfortunately, time doesn't permit us to continue in this episode. So be sure to tune in next week as we continue our deep dive into the Word of God to discover not only our purpose in life, but how to successfully and effectively live out that purpose every day of our life. And if this Point of Purity podcast has been a blessing to you, if it's ministered to you, it's encouraged you, if it's challenged your walk with Christ, would you please do two things for us? First, would you please pass the word on to your family and your friends about this podcast? Help us grow our listening audience and increase the ability that God has given to us to speak His truth into the hearts of men and women literally all over the globe who need to hear the message of hope, healing, restoration through a right relationship with Christ. You see, you, my friend, are part of our marketing team. We don't have a marketing budget, so so you're it, uh, and we need your help to spread the word. And, and here's the second thing. I, I'd ask that you would give serious, prayerful consideration about joining the team of Point of Purity partners, our ministry, partnering with us as as we seek to impact our world by equipping and training men and women in how to live in purity, how to live in godliness, how to live in integrity. Your tax-deductible financial gift of any amount to this ministry will go a long way toward helping men and women find the victory and freedom that only Christ can and will give them. So if you want to partner with us to give your tax-deductible min- gift to this ministry today, simply go to ThePurityCoach.com. That's our website, ThePurityCoach, all one word, ThePurityCoach.com. And in the upper right corner, you'll see a button that says Donate. Just click on that. And you can fill out your information and give your tax-deductible gift. Thank you so much for partnering with us and helping us spread the message of hope and healing and restoration. And if you've not yet subscribed to this podcast, let me encourage you to do so today so that you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Well, until next time, this is author, speaker, and purity coach Steve Etner, reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, He must first be glorified in your every moment thinking.